Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Meyer, your host with the most. And today we are joined by a very special, I'm, I'm hesitant to call him a guest, a host of, of the From the Pink Seats podcast, but we'll call him a, a friend of the show, Matt McGavick from Louisville Report. Regular Matt, contributor, regular I guess contributor. is the way to put it. Very regular contributor, Matt McGavick. Matt, how are we doing today, man? Doing good. Um, it, it's nice to kind of deviate from my my standard lane of football and baseball, not to say I don't dabble into basketball. Because clearly I do, but my two sports, at least growing up, were football and baseball. And I think even now, those are the two sports that I have the most like intimate knowledge as to into how to break it down. But you know, I'm I'm down to talk to ba- some basketball from time to time. If you're covering Louisville sports, it's the thing that people are the hungriest about. Before we get started, do you know what today is by chance? Hump day. It is hump day, but it's also. <laughs> national bourbon day so you know it could be in the weeks and months you know leading up to the season but if you're listening it's national bourbon day when we're recording this so make sure that you uh pour yourself a nice hefty pour of bourbon uh before you dive into this podcast now matt quick question for you what was the you may not have seen either i don't know better remake space jam 2 or white men can't jump 2 I actually have not seen the remake of White Man Can't Jump. I did see Space Jam 2, and it was eh, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it it just wasn't super memorable. Like I remember Space Jam 1 being. I granted that's something that I saw as a kid, and I always remember watching that the first time. Right. I'll still watch it every once in a while. But I, I never got that that vibe from Space Jam 2. Now, granted, I don't think it was completely terrible. I, it just wasn't noteworthy i guess is the way to put it it wasn't space jam you know like no yeah and that's that's what i no this I, is what it felt like to me it felt like an opportunity for warner brothers just to display every single ip that they have mm-hmm. that's what yeah. it felt like to me yep i think that's a great takeaway from it i mean white white men can't jump is kind of in the same vein it seems like they've tried to recreate and modernize versions of scenes that happened in, in the previous movie. And it's pretty much almost just like a, uh, you know, take for take uh, storyline. So interesting how, you know, we're kind of running out of narratives and, and trying to, to reestablish narratives, if you will, in movies, but uh, getting to actual basketball on the court, uh, <laughs> I, I, tell me if I'm sick in the head or not. Okay. I am yes. as excited. I mean, yes, that, that goes without saying, but, <laughs> Does it change your opinion of just how sick I am that I'm just as excited in this offseason for Louisville basketball as I have been, as I was under Rick Pitino or Chris Mack or going back to, to Denny Crump? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it 
is it me that's that's sick in the head or is or is it us as fans uh you know trying to trying to make something positive happen i mean i'm not gonna say you're sick in the head because i i would say you were sick in the head if there wasn't a reason to be even remotely excited but i mean when i mean there there is a reason to be somewhat optimistic or at least excited at the very minimum just because of the amount of talent that Kenny Payne and the rest of his staff was able to bring in I mean it's it's not like this is the same roster that Louisville had last season which by the way I refuse to go along with the narrative that Louisville lacked talent last season I'm granted that the talent level is not what we come to expect here with the University of Louisville but to say that they were completely devoid of talent is just it's a fabrication it's it's an outright lie i mean there were it was just it seemed like one of those situations where the talent and the chemistry just wasn't there yeah i would say a better way to put it was that the talent was there but the pieces assembled were an incomplete roster by a lot i would say that you know the lack of guard legitimate guard depth on that team was a huge concern and the lack of, of camaraderie and and overall confidence from the team was just, I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. Legitimately, if if L. Ellis was not the only ball handler, that team, I mean, probably doesn't do a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but it certainly don't, they certainly don't go four and 28, that's for sure. Listen, I, I may be sick, but, you know, I just want to continue to see improvements and, and kind of dive into what this roster looks like because, I mean, you essentially have nine players – that weren't on the roster last year that are, that are this year. And mm-hmm. so right there already, you know, that, that gives you a great excuse just to dive in and, and be a basketball nerd for the next 150, 175 days as we're approaching the season. Uh, I actually had a dream last night that Louisville played. You are sick. <laughs> Louisville played. And I'm just remembering this just now. I had a dream wow. last night that Louisville played. Uh, its first exhibition game and lost like 300 to 112 or something like that. Like, oh God. yeah, yeah. I, you know how dreams are, but it was just like one of those, like, oh, Louisville's making a comeback. And then, and then, you know, people were, uh, you know, getting on me on Twitter about, you know, oh, you're always trying to just spin the narrative. It's yeah. like Chris Paul makes a huge three to cut the deficit to 42. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that? A dagger, a dagger from Chris Paul to cut it to 42. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening for Louisville against like Chaminade or something like that um, in, in an exhibition in my dreams. But um, in, in reality, in real life, uh, we are looking at a roster that that's completely reconstructed. In your opinion, how would you grade out uh, how the staff has kind of reconstructed this roster in the offseason? I mean, it, it's hard to give them anything short of an a maybe an a minus at the least because this there's no if ands or buts about it they had to flip the roster almost completely on its head maybe maybe retain a couple pieces here and there from the 2022-23 roster but given how bad they performed and make no mistake it was bad they had to just completely clean house. And not only did they clean house by and large, they did it by bringing in players who are what we kind of expected Kenny Payne to bring in. Now I've, a lot of people were quick to dog Kenny for his recruiting uh, swinging and miss swings and misses in the past offseason. which I mean, there were a handful of them. I'm not going to say that there weren't some, some layups that they they missed on but i mean given like the the climate at that point i mean this was a first-year head coach coming rejoining a college basketball recruiting atmosphere that was wildly different than it was from me remember just two seasons prior and oh yeah the ncaa thing was cloud was still a thing so everything was kind of working against him at least in that first offseason so this was our first real chance to see, okay, what can Kenny Payne do? What can this staff do as it pertains purely from a recruiting standpoint? The coaching aspect is still, the jury's still out on that part. But the recruiting aspect, in their very first opportunity, and I, and I wrote a column about this about a month or so ago, saying that like in their first opportunity to showcase their recruiting chops, they passed with flying, collar, flying colors. I mean... 
could they have gotten a DJ Wagner? Could they have gotten an Aaron Bradshaw? Could they have gotten a Ken- Keon Minifield? Or sure, if you want to play semantics, we can play that card. But I mean, they were able to bring in a high school class that's top five. They were able to bring in three solid transfers, two of them which should be regular contributors uh, in year two under Payne. And it's when you put it all together, at least on paper, you have probably one of the most talented Louisville teams that we have seen in the last decade, decade and a half. So as far as this offseason goes and the staff's ability to bring in players, I mean, at the very minimum, you give them an A minus. Yeah, I mean, on paper, this is probably the most talented roster that, that of our adult lives, Matt. Uh, yeah. now, I, I know there were some teams in, in the 70s and 80s that, you know, people would talk about, well, if there's a, recru- a cr- recruiting class, you know, right. rankings, you know, they, if that existed back then, then uh, the narrative would be a little bit different. Uh, but since, you know, 2000, 2001, when, when these rankings really, uh, when this became a thing, when, when we started ranking recruits and, and really paying attention online to recruiting since then, this is, I mean, I, I can't think of a, a class that was more talented on, I, on paper than this class. I looked into it. I can't remember the exact classes, but the last time I checked, this was the number five high school class. And I believe it was Oh four and 11. I could be completely wrong, but I know there were two classes in front of this one that both ranked number three overall. When you look at the class that had uh, Wayne Blackshear and Shane Behannon, uh, that was a really solid uh, in- incoming class. I think that that's the last time we had this type of hype around the class. Uh, yeah. Now, obviously, the Chris Mack's uh, Super 6 class that came in had some pretty significant hype, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think that Chris Mack was more seen as, a, as an X's and O's guys guy that could take those players and mold it into a number one seed type of <laughs> team under his tutelage. It just so happened that that most of those guys, for the most part, those guys just did not pan out. Uh, I think JJ Trainer is the only guy that's that's left um, from from the Chris Mack era. Most of those guys went elsewhere, and probably w- with good reason. Uh, and I understand people's doubts that they have with players coming in because of the lack of success that Louisville's had with with, with big name players, uh, probably over the last decade to two decades. Right. With that in mind, though. I think that the way this this roster was constructed ha- had Kenny Payne's kind of style of play in mind. I think a lot of these guys are guys that are going to fit well together. And so that kind of leads me into my next question for you, which is, you know, th- this roster is very young, probably going to end up being one of the 25 youngest rosters in the country. People are really down on this coaching staff's ability to develop guys and to put a on the competitive floor. product. Yeah a competitive product out on the floor. So people have never doubted Kenny Payne's recruiting chops. So actually going back to your point about this being one of the top uh, 25 youngest teams in college basketball, try top 10 because I had Bart Torvik pulled up because I know that's what we're going to talk about later in the show. And sorted by projected experience, Louisville is the eighth youngest team in college basketball, or it's projected to be. I, I believe that. And I mean, when you look across the, the roster, you know, JJ Trainer is the only senior. You got two juniors in Brandon Huntley Hatfield and Karan Davis, but, you know, Karan Davis never played at, you know, he's never played at, at this level of basketball. And Brandon Huntley Hatfield has spent his first two seasons battling injuries, uh, not significant playing time on, on the court uh, outside of a, a few, you know, pretty solid stretches for him. So, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how guys kind of play off of each other, but that that kind of leads me into who becomes the leader on this team. It, it seems obvious that it would be Huntley Hatfield and Trainer, uh, but but in your opinion, you know who who steps up and, and, and takes those leadership roles. And I think the easy answer is probably JJ Trainer, just because he's been around the longest. He's the local guy. He he knows what it means to play for Louisville. Yada yada yada. But. If I had to take a guess who's going to be the quote-unquote leader, I think it's going to be Mike James because we we saw we spent an entire year thinking, okay, what, what could this team have been if Mike James was healthy? And then the first chance we get to see him, he does phenomenal. And he ends up being the, I believe, the second, yeah, the second leading scorer on the team, second only to L. Ellis. Now, saying all that, I mean, Mike James was not without his flaws. I mean, his defense needs to improve. His rebounding needs to improve. But from a pure scoring 
perspective, I mean, he he did really well. Now, if, he just needs to kind of shore up on those other aforementioned aspects. But if he can do that as someone who is one of the oldest on the, on the team, I believe that Mike James can potentially step up and and be that leader. And, and a wild card to me for the quote unquote leader is probably Sky Clark. Because I'm, I know he's a newcomer at transferring in after one year at Illinois. But if you follow him on social media at all, he is extremely active on just getting involved with his teammates, hyping his team up, get, just, and taking shots at Kentucky fans any chance that he gets. So, I mean, that's that's going to endear a lot of Louisville fans out there. But I, I would say Mike James, maybe Sky Clark would step up and be the, the leaders of the scene. And Sky Clark, it also helps with the, he's the point guard, too, or is going to be the starting point guard. I think it's going to be Dennis Evans. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> no, uh, if, if I'm looking at leaders on the team outside of J.J. and Brandon Huntley Hatfield, uh, to me, it immediately goes to Sky Clark and to Trenton Flowers. I think that Trenton Flowers is a guy with a great head on his shoulders. He's going to be, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, he's got to be the youngest guy in this team uh, because he's a oh, yeah. reclass uh, from the class of 2024. So he's probably just turning 18 right now. If if I had to guess, if I remember listening to one of his, his interviews, I believe he was 17, just turning 18. But with that in mind, though, I mean, this is a guy with a great head on his shoulders. This is a guy that was a finalist to make it to the USA under 19 team which consists of a lot of guys who are freshmen and sophomores in college. And this is a guy that's, you know, coming in to his, you know, this, this, the summer before his freshman year of college uh, and, and is already, you know, considered one of the 12 or 15 best guys that, that are trying to make the, the final roster for the USA under 19 team. So that's nothing to, to sneeze at at all. And, and this is a guy that's uh, the son of a coach as well. So it'll be, Kind of fascinating to to watch the the dynamic of, of this team. I use that word a lot, fascinating this season because it's really unprecedented the way that this roster has been assembled. You know, we're used to it in, in football with, with the roster turnover because you got you got to learn 25, 30, 40 new guys each year. Uh, but we're not used to this in basketball. You know, we're used to two or three guys trying to assimilate with an already constructed roster. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you have nine new players coming in, uh, all of whom could probably have a significant contribution on, on this team. It's, it really is interesting to, to just watch uh, how the roster is assimilate and, and watch how wrong that we're going to end up being right. <laughs> you know, like we're all talking about, you know, well, this freshman's going to do this and this guy's going to do that. Uh, but the reality is that there's going to, there's a guy out there, whether it's Karan Davis or Curtis Williams uh, or, or maybe a Dennis Evans, you know, these guys that were like, oh, well, you know, they might come along as, as the season progresses. There could be a guy that just comes out of nowhere uh, that ultimately ends up beating guys out in practice. So that's the stuff that that really just, you know, I, I like to hit on in, in the offseason because it'll be really interesting to see come October and November uh, what, what the actual roster looks like. So uh, I think you sounds like you're going, you know, leaning a little bit older, uh, as far as leadership, to me, you know, mm-hmm. I think that last year that was something that Louisville seriously lacked. So I think that there's a place on this team for a guy to come in as a freshman or a sophomore. Maybe it's like a Trey White that comes in and just is is a significant contributor and, um, you know, a real, you know, I, I hate this term, but a locker room guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if, if Louisville can have one of those this season – that's really what Louisville lacked last year. You know, the guy that had the ball in his hands the most was a guy that knew that there were zero consequences for him doing anything bad, that he could pretty much just do whatever he wanted on the floor. And no matter what the staff tried to do, they, there was nothing they, they could do to, to change that up because it, it was almost like watching just like a, a bad, you know, county high school team that has a really good player. You know, I, I, we've all seen one of those you know, a guy that's, you know, it could be the quarterback, could be the point guard, could be the center, whatever, you know, a guy that's just more physically gifted that plays that in like the, you know, Kentucky 2A or something and just dominates against all these quote unquote inferior opponents, yet their team is like, you know, five and, and 20 or something like that. That was kind of how Louisville was last year. You know, they basically just had one guy who was the quote unquote alpha 
and he knew that he was the guy with the ball in his hands and it didn't matter how much he turned it over or how many plays he took off on defense or his role was to just do whatever he could to try to will the team to a win. And that's not going to be successful uh, in high major college basketball. Uh, yeah, and, and whoever the leader is, whether it be JJ, Mike James, Sky Clark, BHH, whomever, they, they, they have to talk incessantly because that, that was one of my biggest quarrels with last year's teams and out of the many is that not only like just they just didn't talk they had no verbal communication whatsoever and, and it, none of them really did not even I mean L. Ellis wasn't particularly adept at that and he was like you said he was the alpha he was the dog he was the guy who was going to get you a bucket but I mean like they just didn't really talk to each other and communicate and then you'll see like one of those higher end ACC teams come in like a Duke and, and Clemson for a time when they were on a really hot streak and they're chatting constantly. Like when the ball is moving around and that that's Louisville, no matter what this roster was going to look like, no matter who the captain was going to be, no matter all, all the other variables out the door, they just needed to improve in this one fashion period. Like, I don't care how they do it. I don't care if someone has to break out of their shell speak even though they're not very comfortable speaking or being a leader and such someone's got to do it people are trying to analyze what this college basketball season is going to look like this season a lot of people are turning to these you know way too early top 25s or you know (laughs) i know some of these guys have a top 40 or a top 100 or whatever uh bart torvik's rankings are always interesting to look at just because you know he takes a, a a combination of, of returning minutes of, you know, what he deems as talent experience, you know, what the transfer rankings are. He tries to use analytics to, to figure out exactly how a team projects to play next season. This year looks like Purdue, Kansas, Tennessee, UConn, Creighton, and Duke are his top six teams, uh, which is interesting because, I mean, that's pretty much falls in line with what most of the, the pundits would project this season. He has Louisville still as the third worst team in, in the ACC. Uh, and so I guess I was going to ask you, as somebody who kind of follows these analytics, why exactly is that that, that he thinks Louisville is still going to be a bottom feeder? I, I think it really just comes down to the, the coaching aspect has to show people that, that it can take a step forward. Because, I mean, when you look at Bart Torvik's own analytics, sort it by talent, uh, Louisville is – currently right now tied for the third most talented team in all of college basketball by Bartorvik's own analytics. Duke is obviously the the most talented by, by Bartorvik right behind them. Oddly enough is Syracuse. And then Louisville is tied with UNC for the third most talented squad in all of college basketball. Then you think, okay, team's got a lot of talent. They should be projected to have a 2025 one season, right? Nope. Bart Torvik's projections have them currently going 12 and nine. Now, granted, schedule's not even out yet. And we only know like what four or five of Louisville's non con uh, opponents right. right now. So this right. is a, a projection, a prediction, a prediction more than a projection. But they're projecting Louisville to go 12 and 19 overall and seven and 13 in conference play. Yep. I, I, I think. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the, the, the coaching aspect wasn't that great last year. And and we we can admit and say, like, hey, yeah, Kenny is a first-year head coach, and this is the best way that I can explain it to people whenever someone comes up to me and says, hey, like, why was Louisville so bad? Or Louisville sure did so blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. The best way I can put it is that Kenny Payne's baseline coaching acumen was a lot lower than I expected it to be. And I think that's a, a very fair thing to say. That's not me being a hater. That's not me shitting on KP. I mean, just watch the games. You you could, you could tell that he was a first year head coach, but as someone who's been around basketball for his entire life, I was a little bit surprised that his overall for the game was didn't seem to be all that great like 
when to call a timeout, when to put a, a call, put out a set play, like just communicating simple commands to his team instead of just letting them run around, which I, I know he wants to have a free flowing, free flowing offensive system, which, you know, get the right guys in, get the right system. in. I mean, yeah, it can be successful, but at some point you got to run plays and for half two thirds of the year, it seemed like every time they ran a set play, they committed a turnover. Right. I mean, the, it was almost comical how every time there'd be a, a timeout called and then Louisville would come out of the timeout and run a play, they'd turn it over almost every single time. Yeah. yeah. Almost every single time. And that was what was, I believe, the biggest disappointment out of everything that happened last season is that his, like I said, his baseline feel for the game is baseline coaching acumen wasn't nearly what I thought it was going to be. Now, granted, he's had an entire year to learn how to be like a head coach, like the ins and outs of the job. He's going to have a whole nother off season under his belt. One that's not, doesn't have the quote unquote cloud hanging over him. One where he's got a more talented roster. So I would hope that his overall coaching ability would take a step forward because it needs to. I think that anybody who's ever had to step into a leadership role, it's always the transition is always much more difficult than you think it's going to be. When you have, when you go from, you know, kind of being that second guy, he was like the good cop to John Calipari's bad cop at Kentucky. And now he has to be the bad cop a lot of the times. And he doesn't necessarily know how to do that. And for anybody who's listening, who stepped into any sort of leadership role at your company or any sort of leadership role in your life, when you become a parent or whatever it is, it's much more difficult, you know, when when you're the person who's quote unquote being led. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It seems like, oh, well, I would have done it this way. I would have changed this. I would have done that. But then right. when you're the person who has to make that decision that impacts other people's lives, it's much more difficult to, to make that decision. When you have those people's eyes on you, when you have those ears listening and you have to be the person who has to make the final decision, that's much more difficult than, than I think people understand. And so when you have to do that and you have to balance the fact that you control a lot of what the team does in the game, you know, you control when timeouts are called, you control what plays are called, you control what their schedule and what the, the practice sessions look like. And oftentimes, you know, Kenny was the guy that was, taking the orders and he was kind of, you know, get, he was kind of doling them out. Right. And now he mm-hmm. has to be the guy who organizes that and, and structures that and, and tries to develop this into a well-oiled machine. Right. And that's just not something that translated in 2022, 23, going to the, to the Torvik rankings. I think the thing that stands out to me the most is he only has Louisville winning five non-conference games which is funny because we really don't know who Louisville's playing besides they play Bellarmine. We know that they play Kentucky. We know that. And they're, they're going to play two of uh, Indiana, UConn and Texas. UConn in the and Classic. Texas. Uh, to me, I mean, I, I would understand that being two losses and I understand Kentucky being a loss, but if you look at the start of last season, I think if we're looking at this roster, say the schedule started the same way next season where it's Bellarmine, Wright state, and then Appalachian state. I think Louisville wins those three games if they get them over, get to do them over last season. And I think that Louisville wins those three games with the existing roster now. Uh, so when you, when you look at things like that, you know, Louisville also played uh, Maryland at home, which I think would have been a much closer game uh, a, a second or with, with this roster. Uh, they beat WKU, they beat Florida A&M. So right there, to me, that's already five wins on, on the schedule. And, and again, I think that they'll have even more games like that this season. They had Lipscomb, who they lost to last year, who I think that they would dismantle this year personally with, with the roster that they have. Uh, so when you're looking across the roster, I, I think that 
there are projections that you see like that, that you're like, eh, you know, I don't know how much weight that, that holds because there could be six, seven, eight wins just with, just by changing this roster up um, and, and just looking at, at the, the, the way that the schedule falls, things just could not have fallen any, any worse for, for this team last season. Uh, so, you know, you come out the gate, almost pulled the Bellarmine one off, uh, you know, lose on a buzzer beater to Wright State and then think that you had it won uh, on a buzzer beater against App State only to get it called off uh, afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and then obviously you go through a gauntlet of, of Arkansas, Texas Tech and Cincinnati teams who turned out to be pretty solid last season. So it's going to be similar in some aspects this season. But it'll be interesting to see the, the way that the schedule falls. And obviously, when the schedule comes out, we'll talk about that. You know, we'll beat that, that horse to death. Until that time comes, I think that Louisville probably is going to have six or seven games on the schedule where they should absolutely expect to win and, and win big. And I think with the talent on this roster and, and the mindset that a lot of these players have, I think that changes right away. Uh, so when, when you're just looking at, at the – the quote unquote buy games in, in the non-conference, I think right away you already have a few more wins. And then if you're looking to get to that 12 win mark, you know, I think there's going to, there, there always is in every conference, there's always the team that gets beat up on. And last year it was, it was Louisville, Georgia tech and Florida state. Uh, and this year, hopefully Louisville's not one of those teams and hopefully Louisville has a schedule that's conducive to them getting one of those teams that can beat up on a couple of times and there you go. All of a sudden you have 12, 13, 14 wins. And then if you can kind of get that ball rolling, it's, it's amazing what just seeing a few more wins up there can do for, you know, momentum for the season. So, the, I mean, the way that the season started with those three really close losses, like who knows what that did to their overall psyche. Now, granted, if Louisville goes three, and oh in those games, I don't think it really changes the season that much. I, I, I don't think it's going to make it a winning season. But I mean, if they at least go two out of three in that stretch, the overall product on the floor is probably a, a little bit better from at least like a, a momentum a con- standpoint like that. When we look at this roster, I think a lot of people have been talking and we did too. I think it's just something you have to do this time of year. And especially with turnover, like Louisville's had, uh, we, we talk about starting lineups uh, and last Last time that we met, Jacob and I kind of came up with our very rough uh, starting lineups. Jacob said that he's interested to see uh, who ends up becoming the backup point guard. I think the, my position battle that I'm really fascinated with is, is Trey White and Mike James. I think that'll be a good position battle. And who knows, those two guys can end up, end up starting. But to you, if you're looking at this roster right now, who are the guys that you want to see finishing the games? Because I think that that's, that's pretty different, right? I think that mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, coaches are more inclined to start. They're, you know, probably more talented players, but then they might finish, you know, like a Dwayne Sutton or a Ryan McMahon might not start a lot of games, but they're going to finish a lot of games because those are the guys that you trust to be in at the end. To you, are, are there players that stand out that maybe they might not be starters, but they're going to end up on the floor in crunch time? I would say probably – Trenton Flowers or Caleb Glenn, because my personal starting five, or at least what I expect the starting five to be, is Sky Clark, Trey White, Mike James, JJ Trainor, and Brandon Hutley Hatfield. I think that's going to be the starting five right there, at least. But I, I could see Trenton um, squeezing in there somewhere and taking the place that that's going to be preoccupied by the Trey White or Mike James. But it, anyways, I can see a case made there. But I think. Flowers has so much raw talent and raw ability that, I mean, you, you kind of have to put him on the floor towards the end of the game. Cause we, I mean, we saw what he was doing in um, the U19 training camp. Now, granted he didn't make the final, the final cut, but he was, he was still holding his own against a lot of those guys who were as equally as talented and, and capable as he is. And the more experience he gets, the more rep in-game reps that he gets, he's going to get more comfortable. And I, I could see Lul eventually getting to a point where Flowers could be maybe not the guy, but one of the primary late-game options. I don't think there's any player on this Louisville roster right now that has a more a, a better 3-and-D game. 
you know, a, a guy that has a more, there's nobody that has a more robust uh, game than Trenton Flowers. And so to me, when I, when I look at this roster, I feel like that's a guy that has to be baked into the starting lineup because he can be someone who can immediately pinpoint mismatches. Uh, if, if you listen to, he's been on a few podcasts, he has kind of done a few interviews where he goes over, you know, he doesn't really talk about what's in his bag, what's in his repertoire. He talks about how he creates mismatches, how he creates for others, what he sees defensively. Uh, and so that's when I talk about leadership qualities and, and what some of these guys can bring to the table. The reason why I think Trenton Flowers can be a one and done is not only because he's a six foot eight, six foot nine guy who plays like a guard, but also because he has the mentality of a veteran leader. And I think that's something that Louisville desperately needs on the floor. Not saying that Trey White and Mike James aren't guys that can provide that, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if they have games that are, that are as conducive to winning as Trenton Flowers does. So I think he's a guy that, that could be uh, sort of a, a baked in starter. The other guy to me, you know, a lot of people aren't talking a lot about that will contribute right away is Dennis Evans because of just how good he is on the defensive end. And I know a lot of people are very hesitant about his offensive game and that he's very raw, but Dennis is a guy who he, he will immediately be the best defensive player on this little roster, in my opinion. And you talk, you know, if you listen to a lot of the guys who have had players in the NBA that have coached him, whether it be high school, AAU, whatever else, he's one of the better shot blockers of the last five or six years. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if he can have a just okay enough offensive game to where he's not a liability in the middle. And then he could really be something on the defensive end. You know, he can be a guy that even if you get him to jump on a pump fake and a dump off, he can still recover and block a shot or at least alter a shot. And that's the mm -hmm. kind of person that you need down low towards the end of games. You know, if you're, if you're playing a, a, an ACC team that has a guy that can get downhill and beat one of Louisville's guards or wings off the dribble, uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to score necessarily when you have a guy like a Dennis Evans down low. So to me, those are the two guys that kind of stand out as they'll definitely be on, on the floor towards the end of the games. JJ trainer is always a guy that I, I just, I really don't know how to feel about him towards the end of games. I, I think last year towards the end of end of the season, his stats were really good and, mm -hmm. and his impact on that team was really solid. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's indicative of, of his ability to, to finish games. And that's what concerns me at, at that, at that position. So I almost wonder if you're going to have like a, like a Dennis Evans or a, a, a Manny Okorafor on the floor with a Brandon Holly Hatfield at the same time, you know, we've seen that Brandon has the ability to, to get out to the four. And so then you could have Brandon or, or uh, Manny on, on the floor at that same time. So That'll be something that, that's interesting to watch. Switching it up just a little bit, uh, Louisville is finally fielding their TBT team. And finally. Yeah. I mean, last year we were all over it, right? Some of the former players trying to, to put together, assemble, and, and, and ultimately field a, a TBT team. And they pretty much got the feedback of, yeah, we're not putting a Louisville TBT team out there until you can get the big-name players. Like – they don't want they don't want guys they're not going to advertise a Louisville team if the Louisville team consists of guys who rarely played or you know have had a, a, a career riddled with injuries or something like that because they want to have the most competitive possible tournament and they know that Louisville can provide a team that is very capable of winning TBT. So if you're not familiar with TBT at this point very quickly it's just a million dollar winner take all tournament if you come in second you don't get anything Louisville is going to be one of the host teams this year. They're going to be hosting three games if, if they go that far in Freedom Hall. This, I believe, tomorrow. So maybe by the time you're listening, we, we will already know who Louisville will be playing. Uh, and that's going to happen over the summer. To you, Matt, is this a team you, that you feel is assembled to actually win this whole thing? Oh, they, they absolutely can contend and win the, whole, win the whole thing. I mean... I've said for years, and many Louisville fans have said for years, that Russ Smith deserves to be on an NBA roster. And the only reason that he's able to participate in TBT is because they can't be active NBA players. And Russ Smith is probably the closest thing to an active NBA player that TBT as a whole is probably going to see. I mean, he's just coming um, from overseas uh, 
I can't remember what the na- name of the team he was playing for, but he was over in Italy. And the, the stats he was putting up over there in that current season were absurd. I mean, he still can score at will. And then you've got a supporting cast around him of guys that, you know, were, were pretty good players, a little like a Shane Bahan and a Chinanu Onowaku, Kyle Keurig, Peyton Siva, his, his backcourt mate. So, I mean, this, it's got a, it's a great collection of talent, but it's a well-balanced collection of talent. I think they can make a really deep run. If you are unfamiliar with the TBT tournament, so whether you're a player or a coach, uh, you get some sort of share in the, in the overall earnings. Louisville currently has 17 between rostered players and coaches. Who do you think is going to get the biggest share if Louisville wins the whole thing? Oh, Russ Smith, absolutely. Thanks me, Russ. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he yeah, he's the big name there. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Mark Lieberman, Keith Otto, Mike Stone. Luke Hancock is one of the GMs, and his name is listed as Patrick Hancock. Patrick Hancock, yeah. I'm just looking on, at it and it just on the weird. website. Uh, they also have Terrence Commodore and Ronnie Taylor as coaches, and then Jordan Suture is another one of the GMs. So all of these guys are gonna have some sort of share, which is pretty interesting to me. If you're familiar with with local Louisville media at this point, or you know, remember Louisville basketball history, Mark Lieberman uh, was a former Louisville assistant coach on under Rick Pitino. So you think Russ Smith is going to get the biggest share? You think Peyton Siva is number two? I, I think it would either be Siva or maybe Keurig, just because like Keurig's still actively playing overseas and still, you know, has a really consistent jump shot. So if if each person, and this is kind of sad, but if each person split it equally, they'd end up with $58,823 before tax. So that that would be something fascinating to watch. No, now Keurig is not even listed on this uh, Louisville TBT roster. So they might actually have 18 people total between rostered players, coaches, and GMs. Uh, and unless I'm, unless I'm missing something, uh, it looks like- No, I don't see him either. But I know, um, I know he's he's on the roster. But Louisville players that, that people are going to be extremely familiar with, Chinano Anawaku, Shane Bahannon, Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, and Wayne Blackshear. And if I'm looking at this roster, I think those might be your starting – that might, might be your starting five. Um, Rakeem Buckles is another guy uh, that, that's on this team. And then Louisville has some outsiders in Omar, Omar Pruitt and Nick Mayo uh, and also uh, Chris Dow from Bellarmine. Uh, who who are also involved. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Steven and Smith are, are baked-in starters. I think just based on the way that the roster is assembled, I think it's got to be it's got to be Chinano Anawaku and then maybe Rakeem Buckles or, or, or Shane Bahannon as the backup five. In this kind of tournament, I don't know if you, you know, you're not posting up bigs a whole lot in this kind no. of tournament. So uh, Chinano is going to be dependent on more as, as a defensive presence. Uh, Dylan Avar. And Keith Otto are also kind of part of this team. Uh, you know, so Dylan, I'm not sure how much of a role he'll have on the on this Louisville team. Although I will say, if people remember, he transferred from Louisville to Eastern Kentucky uh, and was was uh, pretty successful at Eastern. So could be a guy that that backs up uh, Seaver Smith as well. So when you're when you're looking at this roster, do you think that Russ Smith is a guy that can just like put the team on his back? Like I think this is a guy. I think Russ is built for the TBT. Like, I think this is the, he's the type of dude that might just like put up 40 randomly in, in a TBT game. I mean, considering he was taking over teams while playing actually professionally, I, I can see him just taking over a game. No problem in the TBT. Now, granted, I say this having zero knowledge about who else is playing in TBT and what other teams are going to be playing. So maybe there's another team out there who's just laden with talent as well. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it seems like Louisville is going to be destined to make a deep run in the TBT, at least at a minimum. It's fascinating to me to look at, and there's that word again, fascinating, to, to just look at the roster and see that, that Kyle Keurig isn't listed. Because I, I wonder if they might roll without him. I don't know if maybe there's something going on where he's not going to be able to, to uh, get back over and practice with the team enough. I'm not sure. But yeah, Keurig seems like, the, like a guy who'd be a starter on this team. Shane Bahannon hasn't played a ton of high level pro ball. So he's, a, you know, and, and 
really neither has uh, Wayne Blackshear hasn't had a successful career like a like a Russ Smith, a Peyton Siva, uh, or a Kyle Keurig as, as far mm-hmm. as you know his success uh, in, in other leagues. Now Omar Pruitt and then Chris Dow have so that'll be interesting to to, to watch. I think that Louisville has a really solid uh, six or seven man rotation here, uh, but obviously it's I, I think a lot of a lot of what's selling these tickets is Peyton and Russ. I think yeah, that no question. That, and, and then maybe, you know, secondarily uh, Shane Bahannon. So uh, it's, I think if you could have assembled a roster for, for full of former Louisville players, I think that all the guys that you would have included that would be eligible for this tournament are, are included. So that, that'll be, uh, that'll be a fun one for sure. Um, now, I, I'm always interested to see how they kind of brand this. So it says that Bill will make their TBT debut in the summer of 2023, hosting their own regional and historic Freedom Hall. This team will consist of some of the Cardinals' greatest, including Peyton Siva and Kyle Keurig. So, again, they're branding Siva and Keurig as, as the two guys instead of Russ Smith. So that's interesting. Well, they, they put that description out there before that they announced Russ, so that's why. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm still wondering again. I have no knowledge behind the scenes, but I'm wondering if Keurig will be a part of this team after they've added uh, three or four guys from from outside of of uh, Louisville's former rosters. So, looking ahead, we will soon be finding out what Louisville's schedule will look like in 2023-24. Once that happens, I think that'll kind of open up a whole another can of worms. You know exactly how. Uh, this this schedule plays out can dictate, you know, how what the success of this team is like. You know, if they have kind of a uh, front loaded schedule, you could be looking at another another season again where you know you have an inexperienced team and experienced coaches, and you're in for another another long haul. Uh, however, I think the type of players that they have on this roster uh, ultimately are going to lend towards more success on the court. Whether that be means eight wins, ten wins, fifteen wins, I'm not sure. Uh, before we get out of here, last question for you, Matt. If you had to set the bar uh, for for what Louisville has to achieve, number one, to get Kenny Payne off the hot seat, but number two, to kind of make you feel more comfortable about the direction of this program, is it making the NCAA tournament or is do you have a kind of a win number in mind? I'm not going to go with a win number, but, I mean, you have to make the NCAA tournament. You have to. With the amount of talent that is on this roster – I mean, like it, it should. I don't want to say it's going to be easy to make the tournament because it, it's never easy to to like have a deep postseason run or anything. But the way that college basketball is now, you can orchestrate a quick turnaround really easily. I mean, we saw a lot of first year head coaches do it last year. I mean, Jerome Tang is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, Matt McMahon at LSU had things going for a little while, and then they kind of sputtered towards the second half of the season. But I mean. It's Kenny Payne's second year. He has a roster that is vastly more talented than the first one that he had. I see no excuse that they should miss the tournament. And he, and there's some of his friends, like Dale Griffith, said earlier this offseason that there are no excuses. And so I'm going to say it. If they do not make the NCAA tournament with this team, regardless of what their schedule actually looks like, it's a failure. Point blank period, because I've all this chatter about, oh, he needs like a, a three or four year rebuild rebuild. I mean, pardon my French, but that's bullshit. In in this current era of college basketball, any like coaches who are good at their job can orchestrate a turnaround in one year. Now, granted, the circumstances are a little different for Kenny Payne, considering the, the mess that he was inherited, but considering how they were able to turn things around in the course of this off season, in terms of player acquisition to set themselves up for the 23, 24 season. I'll say it again. I don't think there's an excuse to miss out on the tournament. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you there, Matt, just in the sense of, I think the narrative of this being a multi-year rebuild went out the window once Louisville got its IARP ruling back and they were basically cleared of, of having any sort of consequences. Yeah. I mean, if they had gotten significant penalties, then absolutely it would be a multi multi-year rebuild. But right. I mean, we can say it. We've got a slap on the wrist. 
I mean, oh, you, yeah. you can you can say, yeah, the penalty is in the way, which, yes, I, I agree with that to a fault. But, I mean, given what was on the table or potentially on the table for Louisville, they got a slap on the wrist. They so, were, like, the staff was preparing last season to have multiple scholarship reductions Yeah, uh, to the point of, you know, it looks like they probably brought in Hersey Miller to be a walk-on. And then they're like, oh, well, I mean, we still got like two or three scholarships left. So here you can have scholarship for a season. So uh, I think that that the bar has to be set at making the NCAA tournament this year. I don't think that Kenny Payne's gone if they, they don't. But I think that there's going to be a lot of skepticism around this program if mm-hmm. Louisville doesn't make the tournament with a roster like this. I, yeah. I, I think that Trenton Flowers is a guy that that's a one and done type of player. Uh, I think that Sky Clark is a guy that'll be in the league before his eligibility expires. Uh, I think that Dennis Evans is a guy that has that is budding with potential. Um, you know, you got a Tyler Johnson again in, in, on this roster that uh, could be a serious contributor right away. Uh, there's so much talent on this roster. I, I think that it's up to the coaching staff to kind of put it together. But the last thing I'll say too is is last year's team really lacked dogs. Like they were they were guy like taking plays off was the norm last season. Uh, mm-hmm. Attitude problems were the norm last season. You know, a losing mentality was the norm a- a- across the roster. This year, that doesn't feel like the case. You know, there's a reason that a J.J. Trainer, a Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a Mike James came back, and that was because they had the, the correct mentality. And I think you add a Sky Clark, who is absolutely a leader and a dog, add a Trey White, who Trey White was a very scrappy player at USC, a guy who his contributions did not show up oftentimes on the stat sheet. And then you have guys like a Trenton Flowers coming in where, again, I I, I think that he's an absolute dog. I think he's a guy that he's going to warrant a ton of playing time next season. Uh, so th- this is a roster that that's filled uh, with stud athletes. And now it's just up to the, to the staff and to the players to kind of uh, make it uh, assimilate into something that that's legitimate. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you get back to, to talking football for, for, the, <laughs> for the coming weeks because uh, there is a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon, not only in football, but but in all of the sports. Uh, Matt, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Matt McGavick. That's my personal. You can find my uh, site's Twitter um, profile at UofL Report. You can go to my website directly at si.com slash college slash Louisville. I am usually posting content on a daily basis if not multiple times a day even in the off season because you know content still has to be produced man mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely absolutely as always starting 502 podcast uh starting 502 that's starting five five number zero number two on twitter and all social media platforms uh at the state of blue and of course at press meyer uh, one of the best accounts that you can follow on twitter <laughs> uh until next time starting 502 podcast go cards let's get out of here and then we'll find where you stop the recording. Where is the stop the recording button? I don't see it. There it is. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.